Creative Brain Candy by Creators for Creators. <laughs> Were you just instantly going to go into the show's topic? I was. <laughs> I felt like we finally had a topic. I was like, we should just get to it rather than just like two squirrels doing meth. Right. Well, I, I, not that meth is bad, okay? But um, no, it's, it's funny because... For the last several episodes, we always do this thing like we're waiting till the last minute to figure out what we're going to talk about. And, uh, you know, we're just kind of like, okay, what's going on in our lives? What's going on in work? And and I just happened to jump on a, uh, a media source and find a topic that I'm like, oh, shit, we haven't talked about this before. And I think it'd be interesting. You agree? Yeah. And uh, 100%. that's what we're going to do. But uh, we have to get some other shit out of the way first. Do we have to? Mm-hmm. Mom. You're listening to Eyes Forward March, a podcast geared towards building the core of the non-commissioned officers. Heat up your MRE, crack open a cold rippet, and join your platoon daddies, Sergeant Bacon and Sergeant Seagar, as they continue to build networking skills have some laughs, uplift morale, and talk about daily issues soldiers face. Let's begin. Uh, I'm here. I'm back. Uh, I am Seagar. And as always. I am Bacon. Absolutely. As always. The face of the place. (laughs) I was actually uh, having a conversation with my commander the other day. And uh, he texted me while I was doing a video record for Simply Stogies. And he's like, like, I just was like, yeah, I can get that for you, sir, right after I'm done recording. And he's like, what do you record? Podcast? YouTube? What? And I'm like, oh, I'm just doing an episode of Cigars and Coffee, blah, blah, blah. And that just kind of spiraled and created this whole long conversation. And I was actually this close to being like, you know, if you're bored, check out Eyes Forward March. We need big pimping. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I don't know. I just couldn't do it. I, I wanted to, and I was kind of like, like, hey, uh, sir, check out this, and you know, uh, tell me what you think. And then I'm like, mm, but I don't want you to be mad at me. Uh, but, you know, whatever. Uh, maybe, uh, you know what, to be honest with you, uh, and I, I'll touch base with you offline on this, and maybe because of what, because he actually has a podcast as well. Oh, um, it's based around his civilian job and so on and so forth. And it's actually quite interesting. So I don't know, maybe we can get Captain Ammo on at some Captain point. Underpants. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. Uh, we need to get going with this episode. So it's time to pimp another. Another fine show. Oh, I like that. Another fine show on the Creative Brain Candy Network. Psst. Excuse us. We've been trying to reach you about your life's traumatic experiences. No, no. Don't hit fast forward. We come in peace. I'm Jamie. And I'm Steph. And we're the hosts of the Stay Wild Trauma Child podcast. We are two best friends who are openly sharing their healing journeys while navigating sudden loss, parenthood, relationships, mental health, and so much more. So grab your favorite drink, get cozy, and join us every other Tuesday night for some hard truths, a whole lot of laughs, and maybe even a little bit of healing. We will shut up now and let you get back to your show. Stay wild, future trauma child. Well, thanks for letting us get back to this show. 
I don't know why you're still here not checking them out, but since you are, I suppose we should get going. Anyway. Yeah. So, hey, um, I think as I mentioned earlier in the show, when we're trying to figure out ideas of what to talk about, um, I kind of jump on like the, the army or military news feed looking for something that's not super hot topic, but something that's actually like, yeah, let's talk about this. And I stumbled upon an article today that I actually think would make a very cool conversation. Hmm. Well, let's get into that. Yeah. But first the news. Ah, damn it. Damn it. The news. I always forget about the news. How can you forget? Mix board, do your thing. It's time for military history. All right. (laughs) So for the week of May 22nd through May 28th, 2022, not a lot going on. No? So no, buckle up, buttercups. Oh. All right. May 22nd, 1972. President Richard Nixon became the first American president to visit Moscow. Four days later, Nixon and Soviet Russia's leader, Leonid Brezhnev, Leonid Brezhnev? Brezhnev? Brezhnev signed a pact pledging to freeze nuclear arsenals at current levels. Say no to nukes. <laughs> Hashtag no nukes. No nukes is good nukes. <laughs> Moving along. May 25th, 1787, the Constitutional Convention began in Philadelphia with delegates from seven states forming a quorum. A what? Do you know what a quorum is? A, a quorum? Yeah. No. All right. So, like, a quorum is a number of people that are required to be present at an at a meeting for it to be official. I mean, that sounds like old-timey English term for who the fuck present. <laughs> yep. All in favor. Yeah. <laughs> I fourth on uh, May 25th, 1803, American author and philosopher Ralph Waldo Emerson was born in Boston, Massachusetts. His works included Nature, Essays, the first series, Essays, the second series, Poems, Representative Men, English Traits, and the Conduct of Life, and Society and Solitude. He's just one of my favorite authors. I'd throw him in there. Really? Yeah, I really enjoy his work. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. Is it an easy read? No. No. Not at all. You have to know how to read. <laughs> Touche, my friend. Touche. No pictures in that yeah, one. I've been trying to find Waldo for a while now. <laughs> well, he's on the cover of the book. <laughs> May 26, 1940. The Dunkirk evacuation began in order to save the British expeditionary force trapped by the advancing German armies on the northern coast of France. Boats and vessels of all shapes and sizes ferried 200,000 British and 140,000 French and Belgian soldiers across the English Channel by June 2nd. you ever seen the movie? I did not. Oh. Um, recently, I, I had it on my, my watch list. That's that's one you got to watch. Got two more birthdays and we're deuces. All right. <laughs> on uh, May 27th, 1837, legendary Wild West figure... Wild Bill Hickok was born in Troy Grove, Illinois. He was a frontiersman, a lawman, legendary marksman, an army scout, and a gambler. On August 2nd of 1876, he was shot dead during a poker game by a drunk in the Number 10 Saloon in Deadwood, South Dakota. Damn. 
Well, at that time, it's Dakota Territory. Yeah. In his hand, he held a pair of eights and a pair of aces, which became known as the Dead Man's Hand. Ah, very interesting. And finally, on May 27th, 1911, American politician Herbert H. Humphrey was born in Wallace, South Dakota. Humphrey was a mainstay of the liberal democratic politics, championed civil rights, and was considered by political friends and foes alike to be a truly decent man. (laughs) He served as vice president under President Lyndon Johnson. In 1968, Humphrey was the Democratic candidate for president, but lost to the Republican Richard Nixon in a very close race. So I must tell you, out of all the men I know, you are a truly decent man. (laughs) I don't know if I would take offense to that or not. Right. That's like telling me I met the standards. You're a truly decent man. Ah, uh, thank you, kind of bacon. That was military history. You were kind enough. You sent me a, a news article that you'd found. Yeah. And that you alluded to earlier. Yeah. About uh, VFW posts mm-hmm. and uh, how they're dying and everything else. And the veterans of our generation uh, are kind of needed. So what's your uh, idea? You want to break this article down and yeah that's kind of what i was thinking of and before we break the article down and and i guess i'll preface this with uh this is an article that you can find on military.com and i i don't necessarily go to military.com for my hard facts truth news or anything like that but i did come across this report or this uh editorial on how the v the vfw posts are dying and they are really hesitant, or they need hesitant 9-11 vets to fill the void. That's the title of the article. And I thought to myself, once I saw that title, when I think of the VFW, because I grew up in a town, a small town that had a VFW, it was all, for the most part, old people. My VFW that I grew up around and uh, the VFWs that are close to me they are also open to the public. So that just drives additional revenue. But as far as the veteran community goes, I've just always known that it's the old guys who experienced probably way more than I will ever experience in my life. And so I never felt like I fit in, like I wasn't part of that scene. And so I've just kind of always avoided the VFW. Bacon, do you have a VFW post in your neck of the woods? Within like the Tri-City region that I live in, there's one in each town. Oh, sure. The one in my my present town, I have no idea. I think there's like six active members and the youngest guy is 50. Well, and, and that goes right back to my point that when you think of the VFW, it's the old guys. Yeah, probably Korea. Vietnam, Korea. Yep. Um, and that's not necessarily true because as I thought of the title and then I kind of thought about it, the people that I know in the guard that are retiring now, most of them are members of the VFW or the American Legion. Right. That scene, for whatever reason, has just never really attracted me. And so it got me thinking, and this is why I thought this would be a great idea for the show. But why am I not a part of this? I mean, I'm doing this, you know, I'm, I'm a veteran. I've been there. I've done that. I've served. Why are people so hesitant to attend the VFW? Right. So I thought if you're okay with it, I figured we could just kind of go through this article and just kind of, you know, paragraph by paragraph or however it works, we could just kind of break this down. Yeah. 
I like it. This is actually an article that is written about a uh, VFW post, uh, number 445 in Charleston, South Dakota. and uh, South Carolina. South Carolina. Yes. Thank you for correcting me. Um, and basically, the um, what do they call the person that's, that's kind of running that post? Like the post commander? Yeah, that's it. The post commander just kind of sitting back and you know it's it's a wednesday particular post is uh doing a wing wednesday you know it's kind of popular and that's typically a time or uh, an event that brings the veterans into the post uh whether that would be for a cold beer or your favorite booze right and Right here at this point, I sit there and think to myself, does the VFW have this stigma of we're just a bar? Maybe we have some food, but we're a bar where we're, we're all this is the place where all the veterans go to get drunk compared to this is where all the veterans go to reunite. Right. And, and it seems like it's where they go. Right. Because the the way the wards were set up prior if you were active army, you got thrown in with people you'd never, never met before. Sure. You'd probably never see again. Right. And so you come back and you go back to your local town and sure, some guy was with the armored and this guy was with the infantry and you were in the same war, but you never met. And so now you had a place you could go to, but like, what was the purpose of these places at the beginning? Are you saying that that was the purpose in the beginning was just a place for these veterans to get together and, um, yeah. So it's a part of when I'm back home, when I'm no longer in war, this is where I can go to hang out with the people who truly understand me and the problems that I'm going with. Right. Almost like a uh, like a therapy session almost. Yeah. But at the bar. Because that's how we handled business 30 years ago. So that brings me to two points right here. And we're only in paragraph two, mind you. Uh, back then, that's the way we handled business. That was common practice. We're going to belly up to a bar and have some drinks and either talk it out or fight it out. And I don't think that that's necessarily what we do today. You know, I think, I think, I don't, I I don't know, maybe clicks existed then. I just don't think, I mean, but they, they definitely exist now. And I don't know if the VFW is the click, Mm -hmm. you know, and I wonder, and again, we have a long way to go here in the article, but like shortly after 9-11, were the VFWs booming because you had a crap ton of... Everybody in the military was a veteran after 9-11 within that first, say, 15 of the 20-year war. Right. And So I would say no. Okay. And the reason I say no is, you think about it, some of these guys are still into their 80s and 90s. Sure. They're going to this place. If I'm in my 20s and I walk into a building full of guys that are 75 to 90... Yeah, and my, my, grand, my grandfathers. Right. I don't feel like I'm part of that crowd. Like they are not going to understand the evolution of combat from 2001, right, to current day, that how it differed from 1945. But maybe they do. Maybe those 85-year-old guys who uh, served in uh, the Korean War and, and Vietnam, maybe they're watching the news and they, know, I mean, they don't know the necessarily today tactics, but they know enough that they can figure this shit out. So it's not like they're, they don't know anything about what is going on today. Right. And what I was meaning was in my mind, my perception of the situation is that they don't understand my war. Sure. And do you, you know. truly understand theirs? I know I don't. Or do I? I, I don't. 
Exactly. So it's a generational gap. Multiple so generational I don't know gap. What their situation was, right? Because you went from so from World War II into Korea. And that time gap was not very big, right? You had three, four years in between. Yeah, something like that. Not near as large as the gap between that and uh, Vietnam. So you went Korea, and then in the 70s, later 60s and 70s, you had Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Then you did not have another conflict at the end of Vietnam, so 75, 6, somewhere in there, okay. to 92. Right. Yeah, and that's, that's huge. That's a huge gap. And then you went from 92... You know, you had some the Bosnian thing going on there in the mid '90s, but that wasn't that wasn't as big of a deal, right? So the next major combat operation was in 2001, right? And I think that this is what that article is getting to ultimately, right? Is there's a, what a forty year gap in in conflicts, roughly? Theoretically, there's going to be a forty year gap where there's no veterans that are actively supporting the VFW or uh, the American Legion. And and I think that that's going to cause an issue and they're going to have trouble surviving for 40 years until we're the old guys sitting in the bar. Right. You know, exactly. But I did want to push out one more point where they trickle in for their routine heavy handed pours of Jameson or a cold bottle of Bud Light. And I have been to a VFW and I'm always frustrated because Although the VFWs that I have visited, most of them have upped their bourbon whiskey game a little bit. When I go in and I order a simple old fashioned or a whiskey sour, the bartender doesn't know how to make it. And and their bourbons or their whiskeys are just shit that nobody's drinking today. Right. But it's shit that that crowd is drinking. Right. So I might not, I might not be able to go in there and get a fucking IPA or some bullshit. Right. But if I want a rolling rock, rolling rock, why do I struggle with alliteration? If I want a rolling rock. That's what I'm saying is right here, today's veterans, they want to go have something other. They want to go to a bar and have something other than a bush light or a bud light. The products that are being created today in the liquor and beer world are so vast but then when you when you walk into a vfw it's like stepping back into that time typically you're gonna find call it a dive bar yeah pretty much you're gonna find a dive bar vibe you're gonna find cheap shit beer right if it's you don't order anything out of the tap because they haven't been cleaned (laughs) yeah well if they if they were i'd be surprised exactly so you order you always order a bottle or a can mm-hmm. when you go to a VFW. Yeah. Well, and that's almost anywhere you go. Lately. Moving forward to the next paragraph, they're talking about the chaplain. And uh, he uh, he's only been a member for 14 years. And uh, he talks about, you know, when he was shot in Vietnam and uh, how the physical and emotional pain he's had to work through since um, when he got home. And so his belief is that the VFW isn't, it's not just a bar. It's kind of like going back to what I was saying earlier. It's a hospital. It's a therapy uh, room or place, and and it's his family, right? Sure, I can't argue with that idea at all. Because yeah, if if I had no place else to go and I wanted to be around like-minded people, which I do, then I would go to the VFW. Go to the VFW to watch a football game than the local sports bar that I'm forced to go watch the games and in the paragraph before that 
they talk about, oh, well, you know, with the pandemic and coronavirus and everything like that, that could plausibly be a reason why uh, the VFW is struggling. I disagree. I think the VFW was struggling long before the pandemic. That's why I get the NFL Sunday ticket on TV at home, because I don't want to go to the sports bar. Right. I want to be at home. Exactly. That's where I'm comfortable. And right. I mean, I, I get it. And, and this is kind of why we do this podcast, Eyes Forward March. It's therapeutic for us because we're like-minded, like-minded people and we get to talk and we get to vent and uh, enjoy a cold rip it. And while our uh, whole our, our two listeners listen to the episode, they get to enjoy a rip it. That's what we all do. We're looking for outlets, right? Right. We want that camaraderie. We want that therapy. And I agree the VFW should be part of that therapy. I just don't think they're hitting the mark. I think they're still stuck in uh, 40 years ago. What goes on in that few paragraphs down, it says that the record membership for the VFW was like just over 2 million. And that was in 92. Yeah, in, in 92. Yep. In 2021, last year, they only had just over a million, which means they lost half of their members in one generation. Over half. Just quickly to in- interject, are you a member of the VFW? I'm not anymore. Okay. I am not a member of the VFW. I never have been. I am an I am a member of the American Legion. And the reason why I'm an I am a member of the American Legion is because they come to me and they're like, hey, these are all the benefits and da 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 da. And I'm like, okay, how much? They're like, I don't know what it was, 40 bucks or whatever. I'm like, yeah, shit, sign me up. I have heard about, you know what actually interests me about the VFW is their Legion riders. I don't know if they have that near me. Like the VFW doesn't go out there and talk to the soldiers and let them know what's going on. So anyway, that that was just an interjection. Go ahead, continue. I'm sorry. Um, well, so it says like the posts are places where deep bonds began in foxholes overseas and they can be built stronger and where generations have not only uh, healed, but chosen to give it back to the communities. It's a, it says it's a massive organization that has lobbied Washington on behalf of service members to expand research, benefits, and healthcare for veterans of all ages. So they're an organization trying to do good for the for the veterans. And they do. They do a lot of good for the veterans. Make no mistake about that. Uh, they were one of the ones that uh, the VFW is one that pushed um, for the Agent Orange stuff, mm-hmm. and then the Gulf War Syndrome stuff. Yeah, you know. So and then any exposures from you know post nine eleven guys like us, the Iraq and Afghanistan veterans whose lungs are heavy from respiratory diseases and cancers from burn pits, which I'm very familiar with. Burn pit. Make no mistake that the VFW does a lot of lobbying on behalf of soldiers and illnesses and diseases and laws to protect and take care of soldiers. And there's plenty of organizations out that. And if you're in the military, to be honest with you, if you're a member of, I don't know, the NRA, because that's your thing. If you're a member of the CRA or the PCA or any of these other acronyms, and you know why they do acronyms, because we love acronyms, I guess I don't understand why why, and I'm self-reflecting here, why am I not a member of the VA? Or I'm sorry, the VFW. If we're not members, and if we're not paying our dues, there's no money. And I don't know if every single listener, I know some of them have not, 
but I feel like a few of our listeners have probably had to deal with lawyers. They ain't cheap. And when you're lobbying on the national level, those lawyers are even more expensive. I mean, that That's my mental thought process when I'm trying to think about, okay, I don't really want to spend, and I don't know what a membership to the VFW costs. And to be honest with you, if you are a current member of the VFW, you're a post commander or anything like that, and you're listening to this episode, hit us up, uh, podcastdfm at gmail. Let us know. We'll bring you on the show so that you can talk more intelligently about the VFW. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, everybody knows that Seagar uh, goes on wild tangents and uh, derails the whole train. No, absolutely. It's fine. So this chaplain that they're talking to, he says, something is missing though. He says, of all the patrons inside of this building during this particular Wing Wednesday, none of them had served in Iraq or Afghanistan. So they're all um, Gulf War older. Yep. Right. So the aging membership roles continue to lose veterans and the generations of retired service members from two decades of combat this millennium haven't shown up to fill their shoes. So people, people are leaving they're dying whatever yeah and then young guys like us aren't stepping in to take over that that attrition essentially i agree i mean i don't go to the vfw unless uh, i think actually last time i was there was a couple years ago my oic was like uh hey we're gonna do the battalion uh christmas party at the vfw and it was an actual actually it was really nice hole in the wall and it was cheap as long as you wanted Bud Light, Bush Light, Coors Original, or Jameson. Sounds like a party. Yeah. Sounds like my, my kind of place. So literally, when I lived at my previous residence, the VFW in that town was literally two blocks away. And so once in a while, I would wander over there because I didn't have to drive. I could just get ripped up for 12 bucks, you know, because it's like dollar beer night. Right. And then wander my happy ass home. Right. Because you were very close. Right. Continuing on with the story, we do know that, I mean, it, whether it's true or not, I'm going to assume it is because it's in the article and it, and it fits my persona of the VFW. It's older guys. They're clicky because, hey, we went to this war. We went to that war. Um, they're sharing political views. So it's not like they're just shooting the shit about like, oh, you're not going to believe what freaking Melger did today. Uh, you know, they're playing, if they're playing music, it's going to be the old stuff. It's not the stuff that we listen to. I mean, I might, you might, but. Well, what, what did he say? It was a cover band that was playing, what were they covering? Jimmy Buffett. Yeah, which I would probably be down for. Right. And a good cover band is a good cover band. But if you're playing at the VFW, you're, you're maybe like average cover band. Every band has to start somewhere. But this goes back to my comment earlier about how. And I'm going to kind of stretch from my comment, but it's the VFW does not know how to reach people. And if they do, I apologize, but I, I, I feel like I'm in that age group. I'm that demographic that you want to step in, fill the shoes that you're saying are lacking. But I don't ever see anything about, oh, this is going on at the VFW or this or that or whatever. So, I mean, it's almost kind of like in my mind, if they're advertising, they're advertising to the, the members and they're not getting their voice out there trying to entice new people to come in and i know that's hard especially if you're if you're a vfw that's veterans only that's real hard but if you're a vfw open to the public which i think most of them are now just because if you're going to stop in and pay for a beer we'll take your money right and that's 
if you can't get membership, you have to do it somehow, some other way, right? And this article, you know, they go on and they're talking about there was an army sergeant. And while he was in the military, he was uh, stationed in Korea. And there was a VFW just outside post there. And he would go to there. And it was, what do you say? It was, uh, the drinks were cheap and fellow Americans would congregate there to take a break from the monotony of base life. Yeah. Then he said when he came back from Iraq and Afghanistan that he had done three years in, he took to heavy drinking and intense self-medicating with a 420 substance to feel numb. Don't do that. Uh, I mean, if you're out of the military, by all means. But he said when he got back stateside and he came back to Charleston, he thought about becoming a full-time member of that VFW. But a couple of visits to the post in that area changed his mind. He says the atmosphere is totally different. It's a lot of older guys and very clicky. Clicky. Clicky, yeah. And they're sitting around talking about their political views. Yeah. There's nothing that really reaches his demographic. They don't play modern music. They don't have great beers. Nobody from this generation wants to just grab a beer and sit there for hours. Yeah. And that's kind of what you were saying. It's exactly what I was saying. I mean, the atmosphere is just completely different. You know, if I walked into a VFW and I like myself a cold rip it, right? So if I walked in there and I, I said, you know what, uh, what do you got that's new? What do you got that, that wasn't here last month when I came in? And they're like, oh, well, we have this IPA. All right. You know what? I hate IPAs, but I'm here. This is where I'm going to relax. All right. Let me try it. You know, and, and I know that states different and so on and so forth you know whatever this sergeant goes on to say that his generation of veterans the ones from the 9-11 wars have found the community in other places and they prefer experiences like participating in marathons kayaking stuff like that versus sitting in a, a dark dank bar to congregate and he's and he's 100 percent right yes which like, actually is a point that i wanted to bring up sure well go for it Talk, talk to me about it. Back when we first started in, in the first two paragraphs, I, I wanted to bring it back and because we kind of went on the tangent where you're looking at your old liquors and beers and da-da-da-da-da. But you're absolutely right. There is a percentage, and actually, even though those guys like to do marathons and all that, they, they still, a lot of them still like to enjoy a beer, but their lifestyle is not sitting in a bar drinking beers going home. Their lifestyle right. is, I get up. I eat good, I go work out, and you know, on maybe once a week I come in and have a beer or two, and I'm good. Well, those guys are looking for Michelob Ultras, you know, shit like that. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe the one time, because they run half marathons, or they play sports, or they're into kayaking, or whatever their activity is, like, because... The old school people, to relieve stress, went to the bar and drank. The new school people, they're going and working out, and... When they go out to have a drink, that's a special occasion. And I'm not going to go to the VFW on my one-day-a-week special occasion to get a Bud Light. You're right. And the article kind of goes on here to talk about uh, officials from both the VFW and the Legion uh, concede that they're not attracting the younger veterans like they want, pointing that one of the major barriers preconceived stereotype that joining a local VFW or American Legion is simply paying dues to a musty corner bar. I don't know if I would say musty corner bar. That's that's the stereotype though. See, I don't see that. That's what it was. Okay. Right? 
Think about the first VFW you ever saw. Mm-hmm. Well, I agree. The stereotype for the VFW, I would agree with. The stereotype uh, in conjunction with the American Legion, I would not agree. And and maybe that's just because here the American Legions don't have the bars. The American Legions are actually offices that do things for service members and veterans. Sure. The VFW is where you go to have a drink. The uh where I was at last Saturday for grandma's birthday, 90th birthday. Happy birthday, grandma. They have a a place called the All Vets okay. Club. So it's your disabled American veterans, your via, uh, your veterans of foreign wars, VFW, American Legion. What's the other one I'm thinking of? It's all your veterans clubs all in one building. Sure. Because single, singly, single-handedly, uh, divided, divided, <laughs> they were going to like collapse. Right. And so the, the commanders of these different organizations got together and said, look, let's let's take it, let's combine this and make one club, the All Vets Club. Right. Right. They have a very nice building. Now, that's where grandma met her last husband. Oh, nice. Dancing at the All Vets. And that was 15 years ago. Sure. So grandma just turned 90, do the math, right? Yeah. That's the crowd. Okay. So they talked to one guy. He's the chief marketing officer um, for American Legion. And he says they want to do things a little bit different. He says, you know, membership has declined over the years, and we have to do a better job of being relevant for the next generation of veterans. Sure. And what their needs are. So what kind of needs does our generation of veterans have? Oh, number one, PTSD. I mean, our generation and our, like, here's the thing. And this is a whole nother episode. And we could literally talk about PTSD, what it is, what it was. You know, it, it's not a new thing. It's a new term. But I think that PTSD is become so relevant now that even for myself, like I, I want to be part of a scene, but I don't. I don't want to like I love music. But if I go to a concert, I'm the only guy in the audience that's wearing freaking earplugs. Because I want to lower mm. that volume. So if I were to go to a VFW and they had a live, actually, to be honest with you, if they had a live band, I'd probably go there once. And if the music was to the point where I couldn't hold a conversation with somebody while listening to the music, I'm never going back. Well, you got to understand, it has to be that loud because those guys can't hear. Right, right. They're all 80 years old. Right. Well, uh, the problem is, is that... Uh, I mean, I guess if you want to replicate, I mean, uh, play your music loud. And when I'm 80, I won't hear either. I don't know. I I think PT, PTSD has something to do with it and, and the mentality around PTSD. Another guy they talked to, he says, we have more to offer that generation of veterans than cheap booze and fried food. <laughs> He's not wrong. Wait, wait, but- wait, hold on. Our generation or that generation? I assumed it's. Our generation in speaking to that generation, this guy's older. Sure. Speaking to us. Okay. Is how I read that article. Okay. Because my thing is is that you, okay, you have a lot more to offer and you're not presenting it. Or are you just saying that, you know, we actually are doing a lot more. We have, we have shit to offer. It's just not working. Right. It's, it's how it's being marketed. Yeah, right. No. <laughs> no, I, it's how they're marketing it to us. Okay, I would agree with that because I don't think the VFW does very well at all at marketing. And so they're trying to make that better and show us what they have to offer. So 
here's my question. When we go back a couple paragraphs and we say that their uh, members have reduced over 50% from 2. Point, I don't know, 2 or 2.4 million all the way down to 1 million. Okay. Well, there's operating costs in every organization, plus your lobbying costs and everything like that, whatever. And now you want to completely create some sort of marketing campaign. Were you marketing before? Well, it was easy before it was easy to market it to itself, right? Because you had those veterans from that war looking to talk to other veterans or those wars. And so where would you go? You would go to the VFW. Sure. Go to the Legion, right? Sure. Where you know, this guy, he's saying that the younger guys think that it's just a lot of cigarette smoking and drinking. And uh he's a seventy year old Vietnam veteran. And the guys from Iraq and Afghanistan have PTSD worse than any of them do. And they need to talk to people at their Legion or VFW. Uh, he's not wrong. But he's not right. Exactly. He's in that and that's where that's where it hits flat, right? Mm-hmm. They have this incredible resource. Oh yeah, by by all means. But we do. can't we can't mine it. We can't tap into it. It's it's fucking what's that goddamn money pit? To be continued. Tune in in two weeks to see where the sergeants go with the rest of this episode. Looks like that's another mission completed. A 30-mile check ride in the bag. Hit us up, podcastefm at gmail.com. Or follow Podcast EFM on Instagram. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm Sergeant Bacon. And I'm Sergeant Seagar. As always, eyes forward. March. March.